battlefield games into like this really easy, everybody can have fun, everybody can be a winner uh, type of game and called it Battlefront 2 and then turned it into a casino so they could sell loot boxes kind of thing. <laughs> you know? Welcome to the DL Gaming Podcast. I'm Bobby. <laughs> is, he, is he frozen? I don't know. Nick, are you still there? I think, no, he's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nick, and I'm Emilio. Oh, there he is. There he goes. Uh, there, what, the, what the hell happened there? My bad. <laughs> My audio just completely cut out. Just say who you are. Oh, I'm Nick. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> Off to a great start here. Chris just woke up from a nap. Bobby, uh, he's groggy. Um, man, I had a lazy day, her Father's Day. I said, they said, what do you want to do? I said, leave me alone, man. Just leave me alone. <laughs> hey, I said the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, be alone. I want to pretend like I'm 16 again. No fucking, just my room and video games. It didn't really happen, but uh, it was a very relaxing day, actually. Yeah, it was, it was pretty nice for me, too. Yeah, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. For all the dope dads. Thank you. Dope dads. Happy Father's Day. Yep. Ugh. Yep. And we are obviously missing Amanda today. She, where did she go? I totally forgot. I thought she went camping. Yeah, she's off somewhere having fun, but she's not going to be here this week. She will be back next week, though. Yeah. Yes. Um, Bobby, you want to talk about what you went through or not really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I can. So uh, about uh, our Monday night, last Monday night, um. I had like really bad pain in my stomach and I thought, huh, that's weird. And it didn't go away all day. So at night I was like, this is really odd. This has literally been all day. So I looked up the symptoms for appendicitis and uh, it was exactly what I was experiencing. So I went to the hospital and they said, yep, you've got that. Let's cut it out. So yeah. Not like cut it out, but like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I had a, an appendectomy. And uh, a lot of fun, gotta say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it it's probably the lightest surgery that you can have, but um, still surgery. Yeah, yeah and you know what? I'm kind of just I, I feel better not having the appendix because that thing you you never know with those things, right? Like ever since I learned what that uh, learned about appendicitis, I was always very distrustful of my appendix. You know, <laughs> I forgot what exactly, <laughs> very suspicious. What happens exactly? It what? gets infected. I get, but we don't use it though, right? No. Okay. no. Is it vestigial? Vestigial? Vestig yeah, that's what some people think, but I don't know. I've heard that it also might have like some purpose, but I, I don't know. It, it doesn't really do anything. It's like this little thing that hangs out uh, at the end of your intestines. Mm. But yeah, isn't, isn't it a? Wasn't it something for like? when you're in the womb, like it's a developmental thing. That's what I've heard. Oh, maybe. Who knows? Hmm. It's a mystery organ, the best kind of organs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and now I don't have it. <laughs> no more mi mystery <laughs> solved, bitch. Just kicks it off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that, that, uh, uh, Simpsons clip that you played, dude. Oh yeah, that, that was great. That was probably the first time that I ever learned about like uh, uh, an appendix and that they could because you hear the expression "your appendix could burst" and and it sounds like it's going to explode, like the Simpsons clip where Doctor Oh, this man's appendix is about to burst. 
Oh, oh, he muted it. Stand back. Thank you, Doctor. Yeah, and as a younger Thank man, me. you're probably like... Thank the knife. Why is that appendix exploding? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I swear, I must have seen this at a young age and learned like what appendicitis was. And then just ever since then, I'm just like, I don't know, this thing's just going to go at any time. <laughs> <laughs> just a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> look at Bart. Look at Bart's eyes, dude. He's so intent on the, what's going on. It's a great episode of The Simpsons where Bart joins the Boy Scouts and he wants to get the knife. And then uh, he reads that book, like the the safety book that's called uh, Don't Do What Donnie Don't Does. <laughs> yeah. Classic, <laughs> classic Simpsons episode. Anyway, um, I did actually play a lot of games this week because they told me I couldn't exercise and I couldn't do like, there's a lot of stuff that I wasn't allowed to do. Um, and I played, I mean, I'm going to talk about two games this week, but then I played a lot of sea of thieves and I had some good runs, had some good times with sea of thieves. Nice. Nice. Uh, let's get started, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about uh, games that have come to our attention this week on the radar. First one I'm going to start with is called Starship Troopers Terran Command. We talked about this a while ago. This game was in development for a really long time, so long that people had given up on it, and they just figured it was never coming out. And then they had an announcement, I don't know, six months ago, a year ago, where they said, nope, this is actually pretty close to being done, and it's going to come out. And it just recently did, just a few days ago. And it's an RTS game based on Starship Troopers. You play as the humans and you're fighting off the bugs. But it's got a single-player campaign mode. And I think that's it. I don't think it has a a multiplayer. Yeah, it's more of a defensive one, right? Um, Do we not know? I don't think so. I think there might be different mission types in there. But I was watching a bit of the stream, and the cutscenes are are pretty funny. They're very in line with the Starship Troopers movie, and they use this particular type of animation that's very still. Uh, The reviews are pretty good. They're all right. I guess there were were a lot of things the developer had uh, promised, like branching narratives and stuff that they didn't follow through on. But people are, have been pleasantly surprised, and the price tag on this is thirty bucks. Eighty-five percent, dude. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good, yeah, for a thirty-dollar game, especially going through uh, development hell too, mm-hmm, or at yeah. least a long development that nobody knew what was going on. The artwork, man. Oof. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird look. Yeah, that's what the cutscenes look like right there. It's it's different. It's yeah. like an alternate. Like comic book look, it's kind of odd. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the graphics look good. I, yeah. I like that, a and lot. it's actually selling pretty well. Like people are picking it up and playing it. What do you think? Are you going to pick As, it up and play it? I don't think so. I mean, it's single player, kind of pricey too. Yeah, thirty bucks. I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. As two people that kind of experience Starship Troopers in their hey in its heyday, do you guys feel like this is a a dying IP? Kind of like how like. Aliens and Predator are both kind of like fighting for life to stay well, relevant. I don't know if it was much of an IP to begin with. Yeah. I mean, the book originally, I think, was very popular. Um, but then the movie came out and took a very different approach than the... Uh, fucking Chad hated the movie so much. Chad, it's funny because... 
<laughs> yeah, I know the story. Yeah, you, you should tell it. Yeah, it's his favorite book, but it, the book is very serious and take you know has like a lot of political commentary and you know it's fucking humans fighting for their survival. And then the movie comes out and takes this very like uh, satire tone. Yeah, because the whole movie is supposed to be a satire of the book. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, uh, there. It's funny because like. The whoever wrote the book and then whoever directed the movie, I think, had um, opposing political uh, views. But anyway, um, uh, I've always liked it. I mean, I think it's the conceptually. I think it's a cool. It's a cool IP. Mm-hmm. I like the aliens, all that stuff. I like that mm-hmm. there's different versions that all. F- you know, it's basically a. It's a video game already <laughs> before you even <laughs> before you even change anything it's already it has got everything enemy types it's got a story you know it's all there you just have to fucking uh make everything work mm-hmm. are they on the fifth one now oh i don't know about those they, nobody movies. really counts the like one of them was like a murder mystery at one point yeah <laughs> the movies oh i don't i don't yeah. know. I, I haven't seen them yeah. but yeah nobody really pays much attention to the sequels i remember when the the first movie came out and my reaction to it was, well, this is just a bad ripoff of Independence Day because Independence Day had come out, uh, like, I don't know, a year, maybe a year before that. Uh-huh. And it was huge. I mean, you have no idea how popular that movie was. It was just Smith, everywhere. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Will Smith. Yeah. Like that was his, mm-hmm. his big movie there. And yeah, it was just, that was such a huge movie. And then like this comes out and in my young mind, it seems so similar that I, I just wrote it off as like a bad ripoff and, did not pay attention to it. Uh, yeah, the all gender shower scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right, what do you guys got? Um, so I played uh, during Next Fest. I downloaded probably twenty demos, and I started playing them, just going through them. Um, I probably got through eight or so, maybe ten today. Um, the shitty ones I won't talk about. A lot of them didn't work. Uh, a lot of them I just didn't like. Uh, but there was a couple that I at least are interesting. I'm not going to full on recommend them, but they are interesting. So one is uh, Fabular. I I wrote it out wrong. Fabular, uh, Once Upon a Space Time. Interesting setting. I don't know if I've seen this setting before. It's in space, but it's um, it's like old timey uh, medieval. So, uh, you know, king and knights and all that stuff. But instead of riding a horse, you're in a spaceship. Instead of lasers, you have swords on your spaceship and a shield. And um, you get to shoot every once in a while if you if you uh, get these power ups. So shooting's kind of like a uh, a privilege if if you earn it. Anyway, uh, the combat's interesting. Um, there's different spaceships you can get. You have to unlock the other two. Uh, once you start playing a little more and, um, yeah, I've never seen this setting before and there's lots of stuff to do. So yeah, there's three different ships. There are tech, uh, skill trees. There's three skill trees. Um, there's equipment, there's uh, a branching, uh, map where, uh, kind of like FTL and they're not all the combat. Some of them are little story plot points, uh, that could go either way. I imagine, you know, randomly generated. Um, there's a vendor out there. You have to, I think FTL had fuel, right? Yeah. So in this game, you have to uh, manage your fuel as well. So if you don't hit a, if you don't hit a, a, 
a vendor in time or or you're just wasting your time going to the wrong directions, you're going to fuck up and end up with no fuel. I don't know what happens then. Um, but yeah, interesting. Um, I think I will finish the demo and uh, we'll see where we go from there. Hmm. You know, it's funny you say you haven't seen a medieval, like this medieval space time thing before, but I feel like Warhammer is like that. Yeah, in a way, for sure. Yeah, in a, in a yeah. Gothic. Um, yeah, it's it's really weird. Um, there's like this been this this idea that ranged weapons and Warhammer aren't that good anymore in the sense that like everybody has them. So everybody just resorts to melee. And there's very much a lot of people with swords and shields, and their helmets kind of look like night night helmets and stuff. So mm-hmm. you can definitely see where that. It's comes always from. difficult to find a reason to have people do like have hand to hand combat, like if like in like Dune, Dune. Yeah. yeah, like in Dune, they have to do the shield thing because it makes yeah, sense. Like a, it's mean, like a rock paper scissor thing, right? If you hit the so that every every ship has like lasers on it, but you can't shoot lasers into shields because it causes like a nuclear blast. And that would kill everything in the radius. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, it's it's like a big rock paper scissors. And it just comes down to hey, we got to start it, stab each other with sticks again. So <laughs> yeah, fancy vibrating sticks. So. Yep. Uh, what do you got, uh, Nick? So I was looking at this game called Industria, and one of the things I love as far as like settings and everything is alternate Cold War. And not like the alternate Cold War where like Russia just wins, like whatever. But like, there's there's a bunch of different ones. But this one seems pretty interesting. So all the enemies are robots, but not like nice shiny robots that we have nowadays, and not kind of like the flimsy one or like the steampunk ones from uh, Bioshock. They call these ones steelpunk, and uh, it's a first-person shooter survival horror. And uh, they didn't show any crafting or anything like that. And I don't know how it is survival, but that's something I'm interested in. It is already re- I mean, I think it's either released or it's coming soon. It's interesting. Um, oh, no, it's out now. Yeah, it's out now. But uh, I might actually play this because I love survival horror games. The thing is, like, I want Leslie to experience them with me, but then she gets too freaked out sometimes. So we'll yeah, see. I might actually this up. Definitely an interesting setting. Yeah, hmm. yeah. The the robots look like they're built to fucking last. You know yeah, I mean? they don't. They they're not like covered in plastic, right. Or like anything else. They like they are just literally just metal. It's the way Russians would make ro- uh, fucking uh, robots. It's just like metal and fucking motors. So since the since the release of it, it's a sitting at an eighty six percent. Cool, nice. Yeah, and it's twenty bucks. I wonder what these black and white scenes are. I, that's probably the story part, huh? I'm guessing. Or like flashbacks or something? Yeah, flashbacks. Interesting. Yeah, get back to us on that one. Mm-hmm. Looks cool. I, I didn't realize. Just bought it and I'm downloading it now. I didn't realize Steam, uh, augmented Steam or whatever that extension is that shows you all the extra information on the Steam page. But it looks like now they also include how long to beat. If you scroll down a little oh, bit, it's cool. right up there at the top. Wait, what? Oh, wow. Nice. Main story is only three hours for Ooh. this game. Ooh. It sounds like it's probably a super story focused, so Bobby, stay away. <laughs> 20 bucks for three hours. I mean, if it's good, that's worth it. Yeah. 
All right. Last game I've got is Anvil Saga. And this is a simulation game where you play a blacksmith who is running his blacksmith shop during the Hundred Year War. So you have to manage the shop, make weapons, um, uh, manage your employees, and also uh, navigate the tricky political climate of the Hundred Years War where you're, I guess, selling weapons to both the French and the British. And it looks like the second Zelda game on Nintendo, the one that was the side-scroller yeah, when you yeah. go into town, uh, it, that's exactly what it looks like. It's got that cross-section layout where you build different rooms, kind of like XCOM, and it looks... It, I don't know. I, I watched a little bit of a stream of it because it's part of Steam Next Fest, and it was really difficult for me to just jump in and, and understand what was happening. So I couldn't really get much out of that. I get that a lot from these games that are just streaming, mm -hmm. like even action games. You like you jump in and you're like, I don't really understand what the synergies between your weapons or any of that stuff. Yeah, you're just you're going in without any knowledge, no context. You can so you rewind them, I think. Mm -hmm. Can't you? Yeah. Yeah. And most of those are not actually live. They're playing on a loop. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, just the idea sounds really cool. And it looks like the right mixture of simplicity and complexity for me with these simulation games. So it seems like something I'd enjoy. I'm going to keep an eye on it. I think this one's coming out pretty soon, too. What's the release date on this? Uh, June 21st, right around the corner. Yeah. Cool. Uh, last one I have. Go ahead, Nick. Do you guys, I feel like every developer resorts to pixels whenever just it comes to like their first thing or whatever. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter because it is like a management game. But I yeah, think, are you going to play this, Bobby? Uh, there's a good chance I'll check this one out. This is like, um, I well, I, I think a lot of people our age grew up with in the pixel you know, uh, who's in charge of development teams now? It's like people our age, right? 40s and early 50s, um, late 30s, stuff like that. And they all grew up on Mario and stuff. So it's the aesthetic yeah. that they, they enjoy. I, I, I think the full render 3D, or 3D takes a lot more time. But I think they just yeah. enjoy the aesthetic, and a lot of people do. Um, I don't really care about aesthetics too much. Um, uh, sometimes I'll look at something and be like, Ooh, that is rough. I can't, I can't, you know, it hurts the eyes, but generally I'm more interested in mechanics, mechanics and, and interesting ideas. And, uh, like this playing the two sides without getting one, you know, giving too much favor to the other and having a fucking mutiny going on or whatever. Like, why is this dude getting rich? He has a fucking mansion in between our two countries. What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't care too much about the graphics, honestly. Like the whole pixel thing. I mean, I think it was really popular for a while, and it's just a stylistic mode. But I also think it makes it affordable for a lot of people trying to make games. So, when it comes yeah. to these types of games, it really doesn't matter at all. And I think you can get away with doing that that eight bit or sixteen bit look. And if you if you were to try to make something like more photorealistic or, or 3D animated, you run the risk of it just looking really, really bad. And also, have, I feel like you have way more um, technical problems as well. You know, mm -hmm. like when you have 3D worlds, there's so many collision things that could go wrong, blah, blah, blah. This is just one thing in front of another sliding around. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some really great pixel art out there. I mean, yeah. if you look at... Um, 
oh my god what was it called there uh there's two seasons of it it was a point and click adventure and god i i interviewed the developer of it and i cannot remember the name blue shift something shift no 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 that was guard duty guard that duty. that was uh pixelated but yeah the dark side detective that's the one i'm referring to yeah. just huh. some of the the best looking pixel art i've i've seen and this guy would he would make stuff and post it on Twitter too. Like he made this uh, fake screenshot for a game that doesn't exist, which was a point and click adventure game of the thing, that mm. movie from the early eighties. And it looked absolutely amazing. But, uh, but yeah, if you want to see some just outstanding pixel art, like just the, the way you can really use lighting and, and soft edges and know when and when not to like, they, these guys like they have eyes, but they don't have mouths or faces because they, mm -hmm. they would be too much. Like you can't put all that much on a small amount. Know yeah. when uh, when to use pixels sparingly. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> speaking of pixels, uh, Cultic is a boomer shooter um, with pixel graphics, but it is in a three D um, setting, so kind of like the original Doom or whatever. Um, it, it definitely has a very creepy vibe. Uh, you're fighting against a cult in like the 1960s. You wake up in a pile of bodies and you punch your way fucking through these goddamn cultists that are creepy as fuck. Um, it's got this real dirty, gritty uh, look to it. Um, there's a <laughs> So at the very beginning, you know, it's interesting what you can interact with and how you can interact with it. So I picked up these chairs and I was like, oh, I wonder if I could throw this chair. Because you could throw soft or you could throw hard. So I started throwing this chair hard at, at these cultists and killing them one shot. I was like, this is awesome. I'm fucking owning these goddamn cultists with these uh, these chairs, but they would break. I'd go back to the beginning and get another chair because it was an office, right? There's chairs everywhere. I'm just racking up all my uh, bullets for when I actually need them. I'm just going to kill dudes with chairs. And then um, I missed one time, and one of them picked up the chair and killed me one shot, dude. All my health, <laughs> and I was dude, like, oh, "Yeah, I guess, I guess I fucking deserve that one." Um, that was interesting, and there's like things that I didn't didn't expect. Um, like um, I don't know why, but I, I punched the uh, the fluorescent lighting on the roof, and the lights went out. I it, on a game like this where it's like 2d panels and nothing's truly 3d it just has that look to it you don't expect like uh fidelity but yeah you know i had a fair amount and i was uh i was intrigued by that um the bad guys are pretty creepy um again they're just that like paper thin doom-esque bad guy their pathing is horrendous it's really bad um if i just stepped into the next room they couldn't figure out how to get to the doorway like mm. it's pretty bad so hopefully they fix that by the time this game game comes out other than that though um not bad yeah this the graphics are like the old old apogee games like duke nukem and i, mm. I want to say the first quake or like doom but yeah. then once they developed i think it was quake 2 that they first developed the 3d look i i always recognize the difference or, or to me the timeline always lines up with dark forces one and dark forces two because dark forces two was in that old style like the old duke nukem duke nukem games where the characters were like these flat cardboard cutouts but then you go to dark forces two and then you're actually in a 3d environment 
Not a fake one. Yeah, not not one because I, I mean, I say out. the Dark Forces one looks like a three D environment, but it's trickery. Right. Yeah, you know? it's trickery. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, so that's what this is. But um, I mean, they pulled it off really good. The um, the pixels and the way they use them, uh, it makes it it gives it depth and like I said, griminess. They did a good job with that. <laughs> it's so weird, man. Like uh, in this game, I get out of the original the the like cell or whatever the fuck you start in and then i'm outside and there's clouds up above and i was like oh i'm out in the in, in the outdoors and i was just like i haven't played a game where like i don't know you take all that shit for granted in modern games you're just like fucking oh yeah fucking beautiful fucking backdrops everything's gorgeous yeah i I get it. But in a game like this, you're like, oh, there's an outside. Like, I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't see that in these. And I was like, oh, they did a good job with that, too. <laughs> yep. So, highlights? Yeah, yeah. let's get to highlights. Some let's games that we have played. All right. I'll start um, off with Blocky Dungeon. I played the demo for this, and it's a pretty substantial demo. I think I spent two hours going through the campaign and then they have an endless mode that you can play. Um, well, this Whoa. is Block Dungeon. I played Blocky Dungeon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say the same This thing. is not the right game. Get this bullshit <laughs> off of our screen, Chris. What are you doing? Well, that's confusing. There's a game called I Block know. Dungeon know, and a game I called know. Blocky Dungeon. So we <laughs> talked about this on, on the radar um, a couple weeks ago. This is the game that is a combination of Tetris and, I guess, a... Um, <laughs> Dungeon Crawler? Yeah, like a dungeon crawler, I guess you would say. Uh, the combat is, is really simplistic. You run up to a character and, and move into them, and you attack them, and they return the attack. But really, the uh, the cleverness of the game is this Tetris mode where you're dropping down layers of the dungeon, and then you can delete rows to create more space, and you can go and you know pick up health and attack buffs but you can also pick up hammers that allow you to build in blocks so maybe you screw up like you do in tetris and you drop something and you leave a hole and you're like oh great well i'm gonna have to fix that later well if you have one of these hammer power-ups you can just walk over and just patch that in oh so one one game mode can benefit the other Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah so you're playing this tetris mode to build the dungeon so then you can walk through it kill the enemies uh, level up, get, get coins. And it is, it was surprisingly challenging at first because you don't use the mouse and keyboard. You use the keyboard, you use the WASD and the arrow keys. One of them moves your character around and one of them moves the, uh, pieces of the dungeon around mm. the Tetris part. So it, it was really kind of difficult to wrap my brain around that at first, but I eventually got used to it. Uh, and Question, Bobby. Yeah. Why, why are you deleting rows? Is that to get, because there's no, you already looted that and you just want to get rid of it? Yeah, exactly. So you've already looted it. And let's say like, uh, you can delete a row that an enemy is standing on. The enemy will just oh. drop. Now you don't get oh, any coin or XP for killing that enemy, but it does clear him out of the way. And also you can bring other pieces. It creates more room to bring other pieces down. And those other pieces may have like a health potion or a, a teleport portal or, right. you know, anything, uh, something else that can benefit you. How do you switch between the two mods? Uh, you don't. It's all just happening simultaneously. Oh, shit. No yeah. wonder you Damn. mean it was like brain 
weirdness. Yeah. Well, it's not in real time. So your character moves around and, uh, uh, you know, the, the enemies have a turn to move too, but your character has a certain amount of moves. Now there's potions where you can refill your number of moves so you can really get a lot in on one turn. Um, but then every time you drop a block, then it resets your your moves. Uh, so maybe you can only move five spaces, and then you have to drop a block. Another five spaces, drop a block, um, or you know, attack five times and drop a block. Now at the end of the demo, they have this boss fight, and that was definitely the most challenging part of it. And I'd, I'd really like to see more of that because that was that got really interesting. You have to really get creative with the way that you you build the dungeon so the boss doesn't get you cornered and and you have access to the things that uh, the spawns that he puts out uh it it really is a creative game i I was really impressed like i've never played a game like this you're playing two games at once yeah i'm very unique yeah yeah that's about the only way you can really make a unique game is just take these two genres that you never thought would go together and mix them up Um, yeah yeah they have no scheduled release date yet but uh i don't know the game seems it seems good to go. It just needs more content. However, I did have it. I had a few technical problems. It did freeze on me a few times and just totally lock up. Happened twice in the two hours that I played it. So I don't know, maybe a few more things to work out. But I, I think design-wise, everything's there. It just needs more content, more levels, more bosses. Maybe. Sick, man. Yeah. Um, they should have named it dr- Drop It Like It's Block. Huh? <laughs> oh jeez, the dad jokes. It's better than fucking Speak. blocky dungeon. Yeah, blocky you're gonna get mistaken for block dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get a big block dungeon. Wow. Speaking of uh freezes and crashes, I played uh Chivalry 2. Ooh shit. Quite a bit of it. And this was, was the big this Epic. was the big fix everything uh patch or uh, apparently. Well they um, they changed a lot of things, right? They put new stuff in there. And usually when you do yes. that, it it creates a lot more bugs. So believe it or not, nothing of the bug I mean nothing of my crashes had to do with any of the new stuff. Hmm. So um they added horses, they added another faction, uh, which is kind of like Hun slash Arabic uh, aesthetic. Uh, they added new missions and like new like objectives and stuff like that. Uh, new weapons, um, and it's all free if you have it on the Epic Store. Um, however, if you have it on, you can buy it on Steam now. Um, so I, I like the new setup. It, it's a lot more dynamic. It's not just a bunch of dudes running in a field anymore. Um, you actually have like tactics with the horses and stuff. What I will say about the horses that I really liked is that riding them is a lot more dynamic than it is in other games. Um, so for example, you can run somebody over with your horse, right? And that doesn't necessarily going to mean that you're going to kill them. But what it, what ends up happening is if they're wearing heavy armor, your horse will take damage. And uh, it's pretty interesting to go through that. Um, The other thing is like when, so the way you get a horse is honestly one of my favorite like things in any video game. So it's not like battlefield where it's whoever has the fastest computer can click tank first gets the tank in this game. um, You just randomly have a chance to spawn with a horse and they replace your main weapon with, uh, with a horse based weapon. 
And what ends up happening is all the XP you get during that horse mode goes to whatever class you chose originally. Um, the other, the other thing is that sometimes there are just horses that will randomly spawn in the map that you can just hump, uh, hop on. And, uh, it makes for pretty interesting gameplay because you don't get a horse weapon right away. You have to use whatever you brought into the game with you. Um, the other thing, well, the main, the main issue that I had with this game was that anytime I completed an achievement, my game would crash. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. So like, dude, I did like, I played for probably about three hours and I got three achievements in those three hours. Two were back to back. Like I got one where I got the achievement and then it let me spawn and then it just crashed. And then the other two, I, uh, I got the achievement. And as soon as like the achievement, like a uh, window appeared, my game would crash. Are you talking about the steam overlay? No, it was it wasn't Steam. It was Epic. Epic has their oh. own little, own little thing. You know, and like that's background a new, thing. That's a new feature, right? That they recently yeah. put in in Epic. Yeah, and so it's like I said, all three times it crashed my game. Um, I will say the new stuff that they added is definitely worth it. Um, I think it's good. In the sense of, uh, if you're a big chivalry fan, you have more shit to play with. But if you haven't picked up chivalry, this is probably the best time to do it because um, it is on sale. I think it's like fifty percent off. Uh, is, sorry, I, I stepped out. Is this a paid DLC, Bob, uh, Nick? Um, not for Epic. I don't. I think it's free. Yeah, no, it's free on uh, on Steam as well. Mm. And like I said, it's only thirty bucks. So for yeah. everything, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good that it's, they're working on it, you know, and it, it you you hate to see a game just abandoned. It comes out and then nothing ever. Well, their their main competition is Mordheim, and I think Mordheim announced that they're doing a two or like some sort of overhaul or something. But Chivalry, Chivalry or Mordhau—that's what it is, not Mordheim. Um, Chivalry, I don't know it. It was the original, you know first person night game multiplayer kind of thing was it before rosa uh war of the roses? war of the roses i don't i don't know they, they came out very close together if i remember yeah. same year I but mean, yeah uh, that ip is gone now so it doesn't matter <laughs> well, only chivalry remains i don't even know if they have um, that on steam anymore yeah and it's wait war of the yeah i don't know maybe um but yeah no pick it up if you can um, afford it, obviously. Um, the new maps that I got to play were really fun. So, what, and what's how, nice is that they keep all the new shit on one playlist. How do the um, horses work out? Did you talk about that already? Yeah, uh, I'll give you the short of it. Uh, horses are really dynamic. Uh, the spawning way to do it is really cool. It's just randomly given to people, or you can just find them in the battlefield, and uh, it it's nice. It like the, the way the horse controls work. They're they're really horse-like you, you didn't feel overpowered or underpowered no no um if anything you're a bigger target like people will chase you and stuff yeah yeah um i think my favorite mechanic and i said this a little bit earlier is that if you run someone over because you can like actually knock them over with your horse if they're wearing heavy armor your horse will take damage interesting i wonder if uh once they're down if you could stomp them uh you can kick with a horse yeah you can kick them backwards um uh, 
when you spawn with a horse, you spawn with a uh, with a lance. And then depending on how many hits you land and where you land them determines how long the lance lasts. Mm. Um, but once that goes away, you usually have like some sort of backup weapon that's not nearly as effective. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got the valve index, guys. Um, I am Ooh. pretty happy with it. Um, I I told my my review of the Steam Deck was talking about like how the uh, user experience wasn't all that great. Like the plastic would seem cheap and stuff. There's none of that here. Like you f- know that you bought a quality high end product from from um, the beginning to the end. Like the entire time, everything's wrapped up real nice. The box is super nice. Everything feels fantastic. Everything feels quality. It feels good on your skin. Like everything's real, real nice. Um, this is just one thing that I'm thinking about right now. You know, uh, when I had, when we were borrowing the, um, the Vive, um, switching between myself and Mila was a huge task because I have a giant head and she has a little kid head. Um, this comes with this like padding buffer thing that you can just stick in there. Um, and it fills up all the room between us. Obviously you can still adjust it. It just so happens that you just stick this thing in there and it's real, real super soft, like a gel thing. And, uh, she's like, Oh, this is so comfortable. So for little kids, it's great. Um, I, uh, have a limited space right there in the kitchen where I play, but I've had pretty much no problems at all. Uh, everything looks great. Um, the first thing I fired up was the lab. I love the lab. That's just a free little suite that comes with, um, valve, uh, products and, or, or steam VR and man, it's never been as good. You know, I've played, a, I've spent a lot of times in the, in the, in the lab. I know it very well. And that's how I was able to compare it to the other things that I've played. Um, there's just a Christmas, crisp, there um that that plays really well i've had a couple problems um i can't get video to play like on big screen viewers um right now it crashes every time something about like things that for some reason it thinks i'm plugged into the wrong video card i downloaded some drivers i'm playing with it hopefully it's not a hardware issue i really doubt it's a hardware issue it seems like a a software issue uh but other than that the games are playing um really well i i news to me and news to uh, you know john's had the index for like over a year and he didn't know but there are game pass games that you can play uh in vr not very many but there's uh like six of them uh one of them being tetris effect so i told you guys what a psychedelic experience uh tetris effect was already i played that shit in vr and fucking hell man just like all your senses are taken over, man. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Like fucking visual is taken over. You could, the vibrations working with the music, the audio, it's all working in a culmination just to like put you in this other universe, man. It is fucking an experience. It is so great. Um, I had such a good time with um, Tetris Effects. I and mean, it was even better that it was free. I already had it on, uh, on Game Pass. Um, another one that you can play is Microsoft Flight Simulator. Um, I haven't done it yet, but I'm sure that's going to be fucking awesome. Um, it's just built in there, you know, game pass continues to fucking deliver. Um, 
What else? Um, oh, I played play War Thunder VR, dude. Um, never played War of Thunder. That, so that's it's just it's just a plane flying game. Um, shoot. I also played Gorn, which is like this gladiatorial, like comedic gladiatorial thing where you're like playing cavemen that hit each other with heavy clubs, and you have it. You have a shield, and uh, it's a very small arena. And every time you wanted to start, you like raise your weapons to the fucking king and he starts the battle and you fight these like, like overly muscular fucking, anyway, it's fucking such good fun, man. Um, I was having a blast playing this, uh, the walking mechanic, you know, you get used to this like point and then you teleport point teleport. This was completely different. This is like, you move like a gorilla, right? So you drag yourself along, uh, by moving your, I mean, that's not how the character moves. They have legs, but the way that it you do it mechanically. Your legs is, move. Yeah. Yeah. Your legs move when you're moving your arms. But then also the other button is to interact with the weaponry. Um, the controllers take some getting used to. They're different. So somehow it knows when your fingers are closed or not. There's no button there. It just knows. I don't know. It's magic, I suppose, <laughs> but it knows individual fingers are closed or open, even though there's nothing there to, I guess it's scanning your fingers constantly. Uh, but your trigger finger actually has a trigger button. So it's weird to like, you'll grab something like grab a weapon and you could do that with your bottom three fingers. But then I'm not talking about this game. I'm talking about in general, your trigger finger usually has another thing that it does, right? just because it's a button. So a lot of times you're grabbing things and letting things go with your bottom three fingers. And then your trigger finger is independent of those other, which is not normal. I've gone 43 years doing it the other way around. So it takes a little uh, getting used to also a lot of valve stuff is set up for the original controller controllers on the Vive. So a lot of things are like, you know, push your side buttons and I don't have side buttons. It can detect when you want to push side buttons, but you it's it's not intuitive because there's no button there am i making any sense there's no yeah, button a little bit. there's no button but it knows when you want to push that button that's not there yes yes i guess that's <laughs> yes. what i'm trying to say um other than that uh i yeah i would say the controllers are getting a lot of getting used to uh other than that Ah, no complaints really. Um, if I can get that video player working so I can watch some uh, Gorn, uh, yeah, Gorn, that's what I want to watch. Uh, no, and just watching like anything, movies and also like, um, VR experience on YouTube and stuff like that, like fucking flying through whatever and stuff. None of that shit works right now. Keeps fucking crashing on me. Hmm. So I got to fix that. Um, but I am happy with my purchase. Um, I've got to stay up all night tonight so I can get ready to go to work tomorrow night. I have two nights of night shifts. Um, so I, I want to get really far into, uh, Half-Life Alex tonight. I'm going to play at least four hours of it, I would say. So damn nice. Yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah, recommend. I mean, here's my big thing. Is it three times better than the quest two? I don't know. I really don't know. I, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is the only way or whatever. Like, I think the Quest 2 is probably the answer for a lot more people. The pri the, the way re the reason I say three times more is because it's three times more expensive, you know? Um, 
So I would like Amanda to come over like next week, maybe an hour or two earlier and just, you know, play the games that she usually plays so that she can compare the two and see, you know, what she thinks. And that'll be the real, real last recommendation, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that would be a good I, way to compare it. You yeah. Know, have somebody who usually, you know, and she's been playing it like she didn't play it a few times and put it away. She plays it every week, you know, every very, yeah, yeah, almost every day. Yeah. So I really want to play Demio. I got to buy that. Uh, but John is coming over the second week of July. Um, he's going to share his library with me and Amanda's going to share her library with me. So I'm going to get a flood of VR games. So that's going to be great too. And yeah, I really want to know what you think of Half-Life Alex when you play through it. So I played it a little bit with the, uh, original, uh, Oculus and even on that janky setup, dude, it was fucking great. So I can only imagine. I'm definitely going to start over from scratch. Hey, did your uh, girl start playing, um, Half-Life? Uh, yeah. Um, she's stuck on a certain part right now and I think I need a, he- a helper. Oh, uh, okay. Um, some, it's a part with like some t- sort of tunnel, but yeah, she's been playing it. Cool. Um, Speaking of playing shit, um, I got to play <laughs> I it. don't games. have to say speaking of every single time. All right. No, man. Speaking of is the best transition ever. <laughs> Mentioning playing video games. No, um, I did get to play through two demos. Um, I talked I talk to them back to back because they were both pretty short. So Metal Hellsinger is a game that we talked about mm-hmm. uh, recently. And uh, as a big fan of metal music, um, I was like, I got to check this out. I like boomer shooters. I like, you know, all this other stuff. So why not? Um, the game is pretty. Uh, the game is intense and fun. One thing that I didn't realize when playing it is that certain guns are um, intended for certain songs, pretty much, and certain oh. tempos. Um, that that's not to mean that you can only use that gun because I definitely use the shotgun when I should have been using the pistols. Um, but uh, if you like boomer shooters and or you like rhythm games and you like shooting shit and killing, I guess demons they call them devils. Um, but uh, yeah, pick it up. I think it's uh, it doesn't have a price, but the demo's out and it comes out on September fifteenth. So yeah, check it out. That makes a lot of sense, though. Like uh, you know, something with a slower beat. You play with a shotgun, something with a faster beat, twin guns akimbo, right? Like do, exactly. Do, do, and, do, and then do, there's do. other weapons that they haven't shown yet. Obviously, um, the demo. I think I, I got through it in like I played it twice because I wanted to see a couple things. Um, the two times playing it, I think I played a total of an hour and fifteen minutes, and that's because like I was trying to find secrets and stuff. So, cool. um, the second game, also a demo, is. Shooters Blood and Teeth, um, which is a Warhammer 40k game, but it's a cartoonish side-scroller shooter. Um, man, I will say this game has one of the funniest ways to start the story. Um, so there is a boss of the orcs, and he's like, for those who don't know, the bosses of the orcs, like the ones that manage all of them, um, they're known as like the toughest guy. And you're like his best friend. And one day while you guys are at war, like uh, you guys are warring with people, um, he takes note of your hair looking so nice. So he takes your hair and then he kicks you out of the plane. And that's how the story starts. You have to go get your hair back. You have to go get your it's hair like a back. John Wick type fucking storyline. 
Yeah, and uh, they have a bunch of the uh, like well-known voice actors for some of the races. Um, the orc voices are perfect. I will say this is one of the more funner side-scroller beat-em-ups, and it's not because I'm looking through it through Warhammer Vision. Um, the way that the guns work and like the enemy variation are all really entertaining. Um, and you can also make loadouts and shit. Um, they haven't said how many guns are in the game, but I know there's a bunch from the trailers. Um, I played on normal and then I played on hard and hard is actually a little bit too hard in a sense. Um, I beat it pretty easily, but I think this game is made to be f- played fast and like, you know, bouncing around and throwing grenades and stuff. And, um, on hard, it's a little slow. So, um, yeah, you just got to be more was, careful. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting when, uh, the difficulty changes the tempo or the, or, or the way the game is meant to be played, you know? Yeah, and that's you know what you funny you say that I actually stopped playing a lot of games on the hardest difficulties. Yeah, because, me too. Um, a lot of people are like, "Well, normal is the way they intended the game to be played." Yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Like that's why it's called normal. I'm like, yeah. "Oh, that makes sense." Um, um, Bobby, what's the game that I'm thinking of? The SNK game that this looks exactly like. That's 20 years old. SNK game? Yeah, you uh, know what I'm talking about. Uh, oh, Metal Slug. Metal Slug, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it very much handles like Metal Slug too. Yeah, yeah. Um, except you use a mouse to aim instead of mm-hmm. a joystick. You know the um, animation style and the game style. I mean, we should say it is a, a side scrolling shooter game, but it looks so similar to me to Guns Gore and Cannoli. Oh, the way the arts. Gore, no, Guns, and Cannoli. Guns Gore and Cannoli. No, Gore yeah. Guns Gore. Guns Gore and Cannoli. Yeah, there were two of them. And yeah, the art style is kind of similar and it's like all done in a comedic fashion. And and what you said about it slowing the pace of the game. So I tried playing this game in hard mode. I played about half the game like that, but then it was just taking too long. You know, you have to just, uh, you know, you you fight for every inch forward and you take it real slowly so you don't, uh, don't uh, get overwhelmed too easily. But um yeah, I don't know. It just reminded me a lot of that. Like same exact same kind of like side scroller left to right uh shooter. Yeah. It's not the same uh it is the same oh, people. Same developer. Okay. That's why it looks oh, wow. so familiar. Bobby, Rogue you side. are incredible, Bobby. <laughs> wow. It's amazing uh, yeah, what so Jesus yeah. Christ, dude. <laughs> well, how um, was that four years ago you played fucking Gungors and Cannoli? It, it's been a while. Jeez. So the second one came out twenty eighteen? Is that right? Yeah, twenty eighteen. Um, one thing I do want to mention before we move on, it is four player local co-op. Um, so you, you can, can trick, pay with your money. You could trick Steam hmm? into, uh, you know, you can yeah, no, no, no. That's one thing that it pops up. The first thing that pops up is that you can do the couch co-op mode with it. Um, yeah. And so I think this is probably a pretty fun game for you and Mila to play. I just want to hear a reaction to like what the dumbass orcs say. Yeah. So, uh, um, that's cool. I think it's only I think it's only going to be fifteen bucks. It doesn't have an official price. Um, but what what does Guns Gore and Cannoli cost, or Guns Gore and Cannoli two cost? Mm, uh, when it came out, who knows? But right now it is twelve ninety nine. I forgot, guys. So do both people need to own? No, right? For couch no. co op? No, 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 not for couch co op. Me and my friend. We played Cuphead that way, and we had to only play through one account. Uh, and yeah. it, it well, Bobby, for, are right? you talking about using Steam Remote Play? Remote Play, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or they, it's like 
yeah. pick this up and we'll beat it together. Yeah, we can do that. This is a game. This is a shooter that I can keep up with you with. Dude, it's funny as shit. It's so funny. All right, cool. Uh, Bobby, yeah. I'm curious what you thought of RoboQuest. Now, when I say it's <laughs> better than um, Gunfire Reborn, Gunfire Reborn, it's you know it was after a couple of hours of play, maybe mm-hmm. two hours of play, but the the premise, the the way the unlocks work, um, yeah, I mean they're super similar, but I just liked the basic things about it, the everything outside of the shooting, the shooting, I guess was probably about well, I the think same. so in robo quest, which if you don't know, it's, it's like gunfire reborn. It's, it's a roguelike shooter. Uh, you, co-op. Yeah. It, co-op, but you can only play with one other person in, it, it's only two player co-op in uh robo quest, not, not three player co-op, which doesn't sound like much, but that actually is kind of, Kind of nice being able to play with up to two other people in Gunfire Reborn. Also, you can only play, you can only invite people from your friends list. There's no servers or you can't queue up for a game and just join some randoms. Mm. So that's kind of a huge downer for me. Like that's, that's a big problem because you don't always have friends ready at, at the ready to play this game with you and you just need to join some random game. Uh, but other than that, I think there's a lot of things that are better. They, first of all, the game feel is just a lot better in this. Like the shooting, it, it just feels a little more modern and a little less janky than Gunfire Reborn. Um, there, everything else is pretty much the same. I mean, the graphics are obviously different. The RoboQuest has more of a Borderlands style. The graphics are probably a little bit better. But then... They, they have different ways of going about, like, getting the perk system. They've got, like, only four playable characters at this point. They do have boss fights, which are, are kind of interesting, but I don't know. I think I still kind of enjoyed the boss fights in Gunfire, in, uh, Gunfire Reborn a little bit better. And, of course, there's just, like, an insane variety of weapons in Gunfire Reborn. Um, and this one, it is in early access RoboQuest, so a lot more could be coming down, but it just feels like the game is not, not quite there yet, but it definitely has a lot of potential. The biggest problem is definitely not being able to queue up with strangers though. I mean, that's, that's just kind of essential. And I think, I mean, I didn't get any messages to, to play with you, but. <laughs> Wow, man. Yeah. And you were the only person that showed up as a, a possible person to invite because <laughs> I do, I was playing it on uh game pass. Oh um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if they did. And plus just two player, two player co-op. I mean, I guess that's all right, but yeah, it's a good game. It's, it's definitely a good game. It's just, it feels like it's been in development for a long time. Cause you played this a long time ago. Uh, a little more than a year, I guess. More than a year. Oh, wow. Wow. And it's yeah. still not out. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like much has changed since then. I mean, I don't know if they've added playable characters or different upgrades or weapons, but it seems like it's kind of where it was at the whole time. And I mean, it's got, it's got a lot of good things at its core, but they just need to expand on that and like finish the game, I guess. I think we should have a new segment. I think we should fucking go to uh, Game Pass and just see what comes out every week. Because, like, we miss things. We fucking, you know, Nick buys everything that comes out on Game Pass. Like, we should go over it. I think it changes every week. What came out this week? There, because there's something I want to talk to you about, and I forgot what it is. Can you pull it up, uh, Chris? Uh, the, just log, log into your Game Pass, and then it has the, like, 
came out this week or just added or whatever. Mm. By the way, we're done with Highlands. Yeah, they're always yeah. adding new stuff and then actually taking away some stuff, too. That... Mm-hmm. But they don't announce those usually. No. No, they really don't. Uh, Chris might have fell asleep. Oh, here we go. Um, Do they show what's Oh, yeah. The, the, um, the Ninja Turtle game. You wanted to play Oh, that. yeah. And I did install that. I loaded it up. I played like a couple minutes, and then I realized right away I've, I've got to use a controller for this. I'll probably be playing that this week. Oh, by the way, Bobby, well, I don't know. I, I thought about telling you this, but then, like, I don't know, because you ne- hardly ever use a controller, but, like, might be time to, like, invest in a nice one, you know? They're, they are, it's a big difference. Really? Between, I, I'm still using the original Xbox, yeah. uh, Xbox 360 controller. Yeah, just, you know, we're adults now, man. We don't need children. Is there toys. really that much of a difference, though? Not yeah, like, they're, they're pretty big difference between, like, the quality ones and, like, the stock ones. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I mean, I enjoy holding one and I don't enjoy holding the other. If you want to put it to that little amount, uh, also came out was Assassin's Creed origins. Um, I played that a little bit. I never got into any Assassin's Creed, but I don't know what Corvus Discroom or Amari are, but yeah. Um, Shredder's Revenge is what, um, I wanted to tell Bobby about. Yeah, I, I played, like I said, I played like five minutes of it, and it seems like exactly what they were advertising. It is very similar to the old school um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 game from the original Nintendo. Also kind of like the arcade games like Turtles in Time, but they do give you a lot of, there's actually a lot of controls in the game. Like you can control whether or not you fling the enemy at the screen or you throw them over your shoulder or you do like some sort of combo attack. Like there's a lot of diversity in the attacks that, that you can do. And it's like perfectly in line with the, uh, with the TV show from the nineties, like the, the sense of humor and, and the animation is just spot on. So yeah, I'm going to play more of that this week. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Um, Sounds pretty cool. Who played more Jurassic park? I thought we we're going to wait until um, Amanda comes back to talk about I it. I doubt she played it anymore. Or she, she hadn't played it last week, and she's been going on all this way this week. So I don't know if you guys want to do it or not. I don't know. I wouldn't have much to say about it. I, I don't know if I'm going to have much to say about it next week. It seems yeah, a lot yeah, like yeah. the first one to me. They, they've made a few changes to it. but So it's Jurassic Park Evolution 2. Um, I played it for about an hour, I want to say. Maybe a little more. Um, I mean, um, for, you know, it's a park simulator, uh, like a Jurassic park simulator, um, where you have to go and fetch the, yeah, you kind of, well, the difference between the first one and this one. So the first one you were breeding the dinosaurs and you could make these really interesting, uh, mixtures, uh, like you could say, I want, I want this dinosaur with like this trait and then he's going to have this trait in this slot and that trait in the other slot. And you'd get these really different mixtures of dinosaur, these like specific type of dinosaurs that would bring larger audiences. But in this one, it's taken place after the fact where the dinosaurs have escaped and they're out running wild. So you actually go out and catch the dinosaurs now yeah. and oh. then bring them in. That sounds way more fun than just genetically breeding dinosaurs. I can do that in arcs. Well, it gives you, so what was great in the first game was you could hop into a Jeep or a helicopter and you can go fly around, shoot them with a tranquilizer dart, transport them somewhere, or like snap pictures of them and sell them for money. Like it lets you interact with this park that you are building. So there's a little more, or I, I should say, maybe a lot more of that in, in the second version. Um, when I was going through the t- tutorial, 
<clears throat> the tutorial. I ran into a bug though, and it just totally ruined the entire game. And I had to play the entire tutorial over Oof. again. It was really annoying. That's the worst. Yeah, dude. Especially if you're deep into the tutorial. Uh, I got to the part where you're doing the Triceratops. You're getting the Triceratops, I think, is what mm -hmm. it was. I don't know if that's towards the end of the tutorial. Uh, but I thought shooting the Trank guns out of the air, uh, helicopter was fun. Uh, taking the uh, first-person view of the Rangers was cool. I like that. Um, my Rangers kept getting fucked up by the fucking dinosaur, uh, the first dinosaur that I had. Uh, because you have to put a ranger station inside of their mm -hmm. coop. And that's something new, too, from the first one, and I did like that, the ranger station. Uh-huh. So uh, are you going to continue playing this one, Bobby, or did you not? I don't think so. I got really into the first one. Yeah, I liked it a right. lot. And the second one, it seems like, even though they've made a lot of changes, it, it seems pretty much the same, and I don't feel like I really need to play it. Although Graphically, I, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. You know, what I said about the first one is this is a... God, it's hard to explain. I want to say it's a, a triple A, um, uh, like simulation a game. sim game, but there's triple A sim games out there, but they are made for the sim game audience. Right, right, right. This was a triple A sim game made to appeal to everybody. Mm -hmm. And it was really weird sure. because there was a lot of really cool things and it looked beautiful and it was, uh, real easy and fluid and fun to play at times, but then it was lacking this complexity that I was used to that with all these other sim games, you know, you got to have that, especially at the end game. And it just wasn't, wasn't there uh, with this one. So in a way it, it kind of felt like, you know, it felt like battlefront too. Uh, like they had just kind of shaved down the, like they shaved down the uh, battlefield games into like this, really easy, everybody can have fun, everybody can be a winner uh, type of game and called it Battlefront 2 and then turned it into a casino so they could sell loot boxes kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it, that's, that's what it was. Like that, that was kind of the difference. So I, I really enjoyed the first one, but I was also just a little disappointed in it as well. So Nick, you didn't play it? No, I didn't play it. And to be honest, I was not in the mood at all this week being sick with COVID to play a simulator game or any games really once i played it once i was like battle nah it's not gonna be for me um i will say though apple tv has um prehistoric planet right now it's a new series that just came out mm -hmm. and they have did you still watch it bobby i haven't watched it but i know what you're talking it's about. fucking yeah you know it's planet earth but with dinosaurs, basically, that's all I got to say. Like, it's to that level. Attenborough does the fucking voiceover. There, I think there's only five episodes. I don't know if that's everything. But, you know, at times you're like, that's fucking photorealistic. You know, it's crazy. It opens up with shit. You know, it's not hitting you with all the same information you've ever seen. It's like, I'm constantly being like, oh, that's not what I learned when I was a kid. Things have, you know. Paleontology has advanced. They've, they've <laughs> dinosaurs have come a long way, old man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it starts with a scene of um, T Rexes swimming across an ocean, or at least a sea. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like the mom or the dad was raising the kids, and uh, yeah, and they're just like swimming. And I'm like, what the fuck? But yeah, gotta, I guess their bones are super hollow. Yeah, something to watch now. Yeah, this is good, dude. It's really good. Um, Speaking of shit to watch, man, have you been watching? Um, oh, here it is on the Spectrum United States, uh, which just came out this week. 
not on the spectrum, dude. It's uh, love on the uh, spectrum. love on the spectrum. That's yeah. what it's called. Yeah, um, I watched it as soon as it came out. I did not wait, dude, because uh, we had seen uh, Sam and I had seen both of the Australian ones, and as soon as that came up, yeah, we fucking and I don't watch a lot of TV, dude. I play only play video games, so for me to watch a TV Same. show, it's something that I'm like really into. For those who don't know, um, me and Emilio have an obsession about a show called. Uh, Love on the Spectrum, which Bobby actually discovered from its old name, which was called The Undateables, that was the which British is really show. insensitive. <laughs> it was yeah. what, Bobby? That was the British version. Oh, so it was on in the yes. UK, God, years and years ago. I think I watched it like in 2014 or something. And yeah, they call it The Undateables, but if you watch the intro, it's not as bad because they shoot the little, un, a little Cupid flies on screen and shoots the un part off and then it says Datables. So yeah, but still, if you just hear the title, it sounds bad. And, uh, for, and what it's about... Um, the reason why it's called Love on the Spectrum is that it follows young, well, not no longer younger. Uh, it follows people um, who are on the autism spectrum um, who are trying to find love. And it's the least um, reality TV reality show I've seen in a long time. And well, yeah, they wouldn't even know. Generally, they wouldn't even understand the nuances of trying to act out on because you're on TV. They're just going to be themselves. They're so genuine a lot of the time. Yeah. And and that's one of the most beautiful things about the show is that almost everybody on the show, it just wears all of their emotions on their sleeve. Yeah. And and it's, and like it's that so, guy, dude, that guy's awesome. so lovable, man. He's just like, yeah. he loves life. Um, uh, and yeah. What, what did you think? Who's your, who's your favorite, you know, your favorite castmate and what'd you, um, what'd you think? Yeah, the, so when I first saw uh, that guy, uh, the Indian guy, when I first saw him, I was like, man, there's no way that he's going to find a girl. But he found the girl, and they, they're they really digging each other, and they became boyfriend and girlfriend, and just the whole advancement, like him asking his sister, how do you ask somebody to be your girlfriend, and how, you know, how that all goes down, and just, you know, they're childlike, and it's so interesting because they're also adults and um you know there's laugh out loud times and you are laughing at them but it's not you're laughing that, along like yeah but they're not laughing yeah. at themselves either they're not laughing at but themselves i it doesn't see it doesn't feel like i'm picking on them it because no because i'm laughing it feels at like you're sharing the happy moments with yeah them. exactly exactly thank you very much you you nailed it i right think there. that's the best way i could say <laughs> yeah absolutely um especially man the australia guy the first that first season that guy is michael? so funny michael dude he he is so uh he, no filter just sit just right off the cuff just tells people to their face and doesn't you know, doesn't get why he shouldn't. And maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we can learn something from them, Nick. Dude, and so, the by the way, the, the Indian guy you were talking about, his name is uh, Sabad. Yeah. Dude, the guy's a fucking human calculator. Yeah, yeah, It yeah. is awesome. You, uh, he, uh, he has that ability where you tell him uh, the date of birth and he'll tell you the day of the week. Yeah, he'll tell you the like. day of the week. He can tell you the opposite. He's like, what was the third Wednesday of whatever? And he'll tell you what, what the date was that day. Yeah. And then he's like, 24 times 47. And then he just says the answer almost instantly. And it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. But um, oh. I think there's six cast members this year um, that are on it. Um, the interesting, I guess you can say, twist this year is that um, 
there's a 63 year old on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a sweetheart, huh? God, dude, that guy, man, he, he's me and Leslie's favorite cast member. Yeah, he was so cool, man. Just um, like, and he lives in San Francisco, and it's it's if if you've never seen a dating show. Uh, this is the one to start with because it's the best. <laughs> it is uh, the best. Yeah. Um, I, I've never watched a, a dating show and been this involved. So uh, I, I keep forgetting up his name. Sabad. Sabad. Um, now I forgot what I was going to say about him. He, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Ah, fuck. I lost it. Anyway. Yeah. Watch the show. It's great. All every one, every, every, episode has been i mean season has been good the the shitty thing is that there's only six episodes per season yeah yeah and they're only 42 minutes long so what can you do yeah what can you do what's up with Cornelius? all right are we ready for listener questions i think we are do we have anything to plug um go to our website dlgaming.net you can find out about us find all old episodes Got a game that you want to see what we think about? If it's older, type it in. Find out if we talked about it already. Chances are, if it's a PC game, we did. Um, other than that, DLG Con, do we still have one uh, thing? Do we still have one bed? Well, we don't know for sure without days here, but yeah. I believe we still have one bed available. Yeah. And so we'll wait for her to come back because things probably changed. So yeah, let's yeah, get to this. I, I picked it up already, but we have to talk to our residential DLG con planner. Which shout out to Days for doing all of that. That's a lot of fucking work. It is on top of being a fucking scientist. So <laughs> we and we all we all forget that the mighty Days is a goddamn scientist. She is. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, listener question. First one is coming from Zap. He says, Bobby, why do you hate story in games? Why don't you think games can tell a compelling story? Oh, wow. Yeah, I have been ragging on storytelling and gaming a lot recently, and I feel like this is a conversation that comes up every so often, and I always, I kind of avoid it because I feel like I've talked about it so much that I hate repeating myself. I feel like people have already heard my opinion on it. Yeah, on that note, I'm going to go to drink. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not that it's not interesting, Bobby, but it's 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 a very good take. But yeah, I've heard. Yeah, well, it it's you know, and I don't. It, this is just my opinion. So if you enjoy storytelling in games, then you know, by all means, don't let me discourage you from enjoying that. But it just doesn't work for me. So I spent a lot of time wondering why doesn't it work for me? Why is it when I play these games, I have zero investment in the characters or what they do or what's playing out, and uh, it's really hard for me to talk about it sometimes because I've I've done so much looking into this and research on it, that it's hard for me to explain everything concisely, but I will give you, I will give you some recommendations of things to watch. So Jonathan Blow, the uh, developer of Braid, you know, he makes these really interesting puzzle games. He, he would go around to colleges and do talks and they're all over YouTube. You can watch them, but there's a really good one from a while back called Conflict in Video Games. I think it's from 2008. And that, I think, just sums up a lot of how I feel about storytelling in video games. When I listen to that, I'm like, yes. It, and he, this guy's a genius too, so he's going to explain it a lot better than I could. But uh, I was like, yeah, that's exactly why it doesn't work for me. Um, and he talks about the... Uh, 
the conflict in games is, is like, so you have, uh, games are, are challenging, right? They, they present these challenges to you and that pushes you back. You have to overcome them to push forward and storytelling wants to move forward. So you have these two opposite forces working against each other. And that does a lot of things. It messes up the pacing, the tone, like every, it, everything that is essential for storytelling. You can't get the delivery right. The other problem that it presents is games are dynamic. You have a a character creating their own story within the game, doing whatever they want. And then you have the pre-authored narrative that the was designed with the game. And those sometimes are in conflict. Uh, Also like the graphics are pre-rendered in, in like movies too. So you know, if a character is walking across something and they step on something and their ankle twists uh, in a weird way, like you can, if you were to render that beforehand, then of course it's going to look a lot better and you can make sure the character looks like, right when they do it. But if you do that in a video game, who knows what sort of weird physics things can happen. So there's all these things that just work against you with uh, when you're trying to tell a story in video games. Um I actually found a really good quote from an article from Steve Gaynor, too. He's a developer on the Bioshock games. And uh, I thought this quote might be a good way for me to explain my feelings here as well. If you don't want to spend like three hours watching Jonathan Blow um, give lectures at colleges. All right. So this is from Steve Gaynor. Uh, Video games are not a traditional storytelling medium, per se. The player is an agent of chaos, making the medium ill-equipped to convey a pre-authored narrative with anywhere near the effectiveness of books or film. Rather, a video game is a box of possibilities, and the best stories are told uh, the best stories told are those that arise from the player expressing his own agency within a functional, believable game world. These are player stories, not author stories, and hence they belong to the player himself. Unlike a great film or piece of literature, they don't give the audience an admiration for the genius in someone else's work. They instead supply the potential for genuine personal experience, acts attempted and accomplished by the player as an individual, unique memories that are the players to own and to pass on. So I, for me, that's what I really enjoyed it. in video games. Yeah, it's a great... Why don't you just say that, Bobby? <laughs> yeah, uh, why can't you just say that every time? But that's probably why the Bethesda games are so popular is because yeah. you're constantly writing your own stories. Well, cause... you think of the great times that you've had in a video game. I know there's always like that story you tell uh, about EverQuest and mm-hmm. that one guy, you know... Uh, Ganking. Uh, getting like five levels, which was unheard oh, yeah. of back then. Or you talk about like, I, there's another story you would tell about, I think you and Nick actually playing rust where you had some epic battle and where you flanked someone with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Like those are the experiences that people really enjoy video game in video games. It's not necessarily these pre-authored stories that are designed. And I think the, uh, games have gotten a lot better at doing this because they get involved in the story t- storytelling at an earlier phase and it's not so tacked on, but still like there are things that come up in the game that cause conflict within the storytelling. And then how do you deal with those? Like that creates an issue. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, and it's not, I, I do play games that have a lot of story in them and I enjoy them, but I, I find the ones that tell better stories are less of games and more of like visual novels, you know, like you have to reduce the storytelling. You have to reduce the player agency in order to increase the storytelling and vice versa. And I, 
that agent of chaos line is fucking great, dude. Cause like yeah, when you're reading a book, if they had to always be addressing the reader, the characters did it fucking, it ruined everything. Yeah. Well, like, and you think there's, there's yeah. ways that video games tell stories too, like the delivery that is just a huge problem. I play a lot of point and click adventure games, which obviously have a lot of story, but I'm constantly going to the same character and having them repeat dialogue lines. Or I, I try to use like this item with them and then they say, no, that won't work. And then I pull out another item and I, and they say in the exact same delivery, they say, no, that won't work. I mean, you would never see that in a, in a movie or a TV show, right? That would yeah. just be weird. Not, but you know, we, we expect that from video games because that's really just what they're capable of. And like, I just, I tried really, really hard to get, it, it takes a lot of effort for me to get into the story of a video game. And I just, in, in my later years, I don't find myself willing to make that effort as much anymore. So I've kind of just uh, given up and just be like, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy the mechanics of the game because that's really what I enjoy. When I interviewed one of the developers from Clay, he said, he said kind of the same thing. He said, I don't care about story at all. I just, I am just purely interested in the mechanics of yeah. it. And I thought, oh, that's, that's strange. But I, I kind yeah, of understand where he's coming developer. from. Yeah. So anyway, that's an abbreviated, uh, <laughs> that's good, dude. Rant on, um, on storytelling and video games. Yeah. That that. Yeah. Well, everybody, you can guess uh, who reads the most books after that. By the way, uh, I was waiting forever, going back to my appendectomy. So I'm sitting there in the ER waiting forever and ever. And I've been trying to read this book called um, uh, Better Living Through Criticism or something. It's by A.O. Scott. He was the film critic for the uh, New York Times for the longest time. And this book is just like so thick and it's giving me a headache and I'm just having a hard time with it. So I'm finally like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to read this right now. I'm already stressed out as it is. So I started reading iRobot mm -hmm. and that book is incredible, dude. It's like Futurama. It's, it's just like, <laughs> it was written in the fifties really? and someone had like no idea what the future is going to be like. So they're like, yeah, sure. We'll have robots that walk and talk and have a personality and stuff or not really have a personality and you know they have the three laws of robots right. and everything but it re reminded me so much of Futurama just how these all these robots are out and about but uh god I was really enjoying that book dude i mean he's Elon Musk says a lot I didn't of things this was a book but he's talking about functional functional robots in the next 2 years from Tesla he said, Tesla? Okay. he said we've already done the hard work like we already have robots but they're Boston Dynamics no, no. He's talking about like um, the AI. He's mm. like, our cars are robots and we're just going to switch out the wheels for legs and they're going to be able to do, you know, menial tasks and stuff. He's talking about literally within two years. Wow. It's crazy. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, he's been talking about functional AI for about seven years and it hasn't happened yet. So, yeah. And uh, what was that documentary with Ray Kurzweil where he's talking about? I always want to say the singularity. Yeah, that's what it's called. Oh, it is the yeah. singularity. Yeah. Okay. Pretty sure that's what it's called. The term of when, you know, something happens that leads to the end of mankind? It's no, it's when oh, computers. Robots uh, think for themselves and they. Oh, it's yeah, when yeah, yeah, computers yeah. become more intelligent than man so that they can create. Uh, so they're the iteration after that is better than what we can create. And then from there it's off to the races. So like once the singularity happens in like two weeks, they'll advance a hundred thousand years. What would take us a hundred thousand years in like two weeks? Because they're iterating. It's exponential. Faster. It's exponential. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. 
And, but, uh, hmm. So you didn't know that was a book, an Isaac Asimov book, iRobot? No, not at all. Wow, that's crazy. Because the movie came out with Will Smith back in 04. Yeah, that's what I remember is and Will Smith. absolutely nothing to do with the book except for the three laws of robotics. Starship Troopers, man. Yeah, and I was I, I went to see that in the theater, and I'm expecting, you know, like, Isaac Asimov, book come to life, you know? And then it's something completely different, and I did not hate it. I was just like, you know what? Completely different, but actually totally enjoyed this movie. And I've been I've been meaning to rewatch it for a very long time. A little more digestible, too. Like, what? Wasn't it just like what we're talking about with Tesla? Like it's about to in mm-hmm. th- it was just happening, right? Well, now that I've, yes. I've reread the book, there's actually there might be more similarities than I realized because in the movie of iRobot, the whole idea is that uh, the first law of robotics is like a, a robot cannot harm a human being or through an action let a human being come to harm. Right. So the human being or the robots in the movie say, you know what, humans are bad for themselves. They, they can't, they can't take care of themselves. We need to take over the world and then we will be able to protect the humans. So in the movie, I robot, he, uh, uh the robots all start taking over and everything. So it, it's like a whole free will versus, you know, safety type, type argument yeah. going on there. But, uh, there is kind of a part like that in, in the book, which I don't know, it might be a stretch, but it's somewhat similar. So maybe it's closer than I thought, but I, I really enjoyed the movie when it, came out i gotta rewatch that now especially now that i'm rereading it i think in the the book takes place so functional robots already exist and they're like lift this push that whatever because i think we see will smith's mom's characters have like a basic ass robot but this new like almost human-like robot comes out and it's got all these bells and whistles and it can have like quote-unquote think for itself and uh that's when like the story begins is when that 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 robot is released to the public. I forgot who it was, but he's like, yeah, making an all-purpose robot is stupid. He's like, you buy... It's like Roombas. That's the way you should make robots, like one robot per task. That's a smart way of doing it. Uh, but making something multifunctional is not... It, it's too expensive, whatever. Anyway, that was that one guy's take, but who knows? Let's get into some other listener questions. All right. Well, we've got three from Morconius, and these are pretty long here, so hang tight. First one says, oh, this is responding to Zap's question. To add to that question, it doesn't happen often, but when the story combines with gameplay, it can be much more powerful than any movie or book. For example, Resident Evil 2, walking down those hallways and hearing Mr. X stomp around, there isn't anything scarier. Have you had moments where the story and gameplay have gone together and you felt a, and uh, and you felt strong emotions like excitement, fear, or sadness? Hmm. Uh, there's a very pivotal moment in Left 4 Dead 1 where the gameplay and the, um, and like the, the game kind of tie in perfectly and to make like a perfect story moment. And, uh, if you haven't played Left 4 Dead 1, I mean, not Left 4 Dead, uh, The Last of Us 1, uh, sorry. But, uh, there's a moment where you think Joel is dead and Ellie is fending for herself. And like this guy who seems nice, but kind of rapey at the same time. Uh, like comes to like assist you and then you are getting swarmed by zombies and uh, the way it just ties in, like it, and it just captures you and like whatever you do in that scene and like it's directly, you know, in the story or whatever. And uh, yeah, that, that moment was one of the most gripping moments when I played video games of all time. Hmm. Um, I want to say Bastion. Uh, because you know your actions are being narrated 
as you're doing them. So it's storytelling and gameplay in one. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one of the times that it, it was so that in Hades, Hades also where he's Dude, discovering the me. world, he's discovering the world and these people and these gods and you're discovering them as well. And he's reacting, um, uh, kind of aloof about it. Um, and it's just an interesting way to introduce you into the world. I thought it was really good. Um, but, uh, just gonna just mention this because I'm thinking about it, but in Binding of Isaac, the story is so like, if you were going to take everything, all the story elements in the entire game and play them back to back, you might get four or five minutes of video, right? Right, Nick? Yep. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's pushing it. Maybe three minutes. What you get is these like three second, four second clips. And then sometimes if you beat the game in a certain way, you'll get like a 10 or 15 second clip. Maybe. And, you know, um, and they condition you over time because you see them so often. And every time you load up a game, you see one of these three second ones and constantly, um, Isaac's being bullied and, you know, his life sucks. Like everything goes wrong. People pee on him. Like his, his shorts fall off in front of a girl, like all this stuff constantly, constantly, constantly. You're being conditioned that his life sucks, all this stuff. And then, you know, you get these big story ones where you're like, um, he's running from his mom and he goes into the basement and that's where the adventure begins or, or, or his dad's walking away from him and you, because his dad is really not in the game. Uh, but they, there's hints of him all over the place. Um, things like that will happen. But then, dude, when I realized that, you know, in the story, probably one of the last iterations of the game, that he never really went into a basement. He went into a tr- his toy chest when he was mm-hmm. running from his mom. And he suffocated. And every, the entire game is a hallucination. And it's, uh, the what's the last bad guy's name? Uh the beast? No, no. The uh, the forgotten. No, Megasite. No, no, no. The one that transformed. He's all white. He transformed. Oh, uh, delirium. Delirium. Delirium is what you're fighting against because you're, you know, he's dying uh, in this chest where there's no air, and and that the whole thing was just like this delirious dream. It's, yeah. It's so fucking sad, dude. And it's one. Of, it's one of those games that uh, there's so much backstory to the game, and it's told by items as well as another game that's in the same universe. And you learn that Isaac's mom and dad are former drug addicts and Isaac's mom finds God while Isaac's dad, um, becomes more and more secular. And, uh, he also like takes a huge interest in science and stuff. And he teaches Isaac about like RPGs and like, and like a bunch of other stuff. And you learn that, um, like no one's really a good guy and no one's really a bad guy except like both parents suck. And you learn that like, for example, uh, to like to, to develop a habit to stay clean, like Isaac's dad developed a super bad gambling habit and like took their whole life savings and like all this other stuff, um, just to, just to gamble. And, uh, yeah, it, it becomes a super involved story when you look into it. Yeah. It was that it was is Isaac? Could it be? Um, it was that. What's Edmund McMillan's life? Yeah. So he he 
he describes uh, the life of living with parents who dis- rediscovered God. It's kind of, yeah, it's exactly the same thing where like they were like I think they were alcoholics mm-hmm. was the thing. And uh yeah. I think it's exactly what he what he felt what he yeah, went through. And he put it yeah. in his game through Yeah, you you never really see his cat. But you no. you pick up parts of his cat all throughout the game. Or you never yeah. see his dog, but you see a part, you know, it's parts it's of his dog. Like yeah, exactly. It's yeah. And like the, the, this, the, the crazy thing that started it all, like this theory and all these like storytelling through items is something called the coin, which is an item that you can pick up and you think it's a penny or something. And it's not, if you really zoom in, it's a alcoholics anonymous coin for like one year of sobriety. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's it's really interesting. Yeah, uh, it's it's such a good game. Like me and Leslie still play it at least three hours a week. Uh, I'm not gonna say guys like go play and buy an Isaac, and you're gonna get all of it. It takes thousands of hours to get yeah, like, it's, to get this depth of uh, understanding of the game. Yeah. L- luckily, the game to play loop is incredible. Uh, I don't I don't know why Chris and Rianne don't play. It. You really guys, you guys need to play it together. It's so good. Anyway, Bobby, what's your answer? Um, God, so long ago. What was the question? <laughs> Something about uh, moments of story oh. and gameplay that have gone together. Uh, let's see. I'll take a moment from Mass Effect Two. So that I, I feel like the Mass Effect games really tried harder than most other games out there to um, to incorporate story and gameplay. Uh, there's probably better current examples that I, I'm unaware of, though. Um, but in the second one, the characters that you spend the more the most time with and interact the most. Uh, they make it to the late game. Something happens near the end of the game, your ship crashes and not everybody survives. And based on how many missions they've accompanied you on or uh, how much you've interacted with them or some like kind of hidden algorithm, it determines the characters that you like the most and they continue on till end game which I thought was really cool because there was one character who I did not like at all. And then when she died at the end, I was or near uh, the end of the game. I was like, Oh, thank God. Um, and it was, what's funny is it's the character that everybody likes. Like everybody wanted Jack or whatever. Yeah. Her name was Jack. And she's just like this super edgelord, like tough guy girl, just like, just so off putting and annoying throughout the entire game. But like everybody loved her. It was like, she's 11, isn't it? And she, she's like, yeah, she's got like a shaved head and, and powerful I, too. No, like psychic powers. Yeah. She's, she doesn't really use guns. She only uses like psychic powers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's dark and brooding and yeah. And, um, yeah. And she didn't survive the, uh, the ship crash. <laughs> My favorite was, um, the you know the guy the big guy the Rex Rex yeah mm-hmm. Rex He's lovable the fucking tank. strong guy yeah yeah and tank is also in the game man cool I think right. uh, that was good guys all right another one from Marconius now that the Steam Deck is out do you want Steam to take another shot at a controller with those same sticks and touch pads no it's got to feel better man stop making plastic uh, lightweight stuff. Put some put some lead in it. Make it feel heavy. I don't know. Well, obviously, I don't know anything about controllers now. I'm still using an Xbox 360 controller. I'm perfectly happy with that. So I don't know the the Steam controller. Yeah, that was it was not great for them. They didn't 
really knocked that out of the park. It yeah, was that was really like the worst piece of hardware, probably. The idea behind it was that you could play PC games with a controller. So even games that are traditionally exclusive to PCs, like RTS games or strategy games, could be played with that that touchpad. It was a nice idea, but didn't quite work out. I played the opposite uh, today, actually. Um, the PS4 controller has a trackpad so that you can control the mouse, and it worked great. That was the first time I ever used it was today. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Now you can just point your remote at the TV and it controls your cursor. Yeah. Um, they'll probably take another swing at it. I don't yeah, know. In the they. controller game, you think they really got a shot? Um, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I, I think PC players will be like, this is the PC controller. They need Official. to make a light gun. That's what I'd like to see. Let's bring back the light gun. The, <laughs> Bobby, yeah. I, I the read Sega Genesis about... Menacer and the uh, Super Nintendo Super Scope. Ooh, the Super Scope. It looked like a Super Nerf gun. Uh, but Bobby, um, do you know how the light gun worked? I read about this the other day. The original light gun, if you think about it. like, Did it use light? It did, but okay. in an interesting way. So for duck hunt, right, you would aim at the duck and shoot. And the entire screen for one frame would go completely black, except for yeah. one dot that was not one dot, one square that was white. So if the gun picked up the white light, then that was a hit. And then it, it was fucking genius. Um, but you know, it's faster than the, the eye can detect. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, something happens like the like screen flashes every time you shoot. So you, you know that. But that's it, you, you perceive it as muzzle flash or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then um, that's why you can cheat and just put the gun right up to the white dot. Or if you, I guess, if you put it on a light bulb, it would just work as well too. I would guess. But super interesting, right? Like, wow. If you really think about how how the fuck did they how do that? How simple that is. Yeah. 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 Not so much the uh, the power glove though. That was kind of a dud. Yeah. <laughs> Trackpad. Yeah, that's all right, but. Uh, Light gun was where it was at. Did you end up watching that Neil, Neil Patrick Harris movie about um, getting the Nintendo? You talking about Christmas the Wiz? Night? No, or the Wizard? It, what is it called? Nick, we both watched it. No, 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 I, I didn't watch it. It was on a. Uh, it was on Nef- It was on Netflix, though, right? Oh yeah, Eight Bit Christmas. Yeah, Eight Bit Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, watched I watched it. that. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah, and they totally huh. called it out in that movie. The power glove sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he loses. Mm-hmm. He loses the fighting game. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Last question from Orconius. Final Fantasy VII Intergrade has just come out on Steam, and there was an announcement of the prequel and sequel all coming out in 12 months. This is potentially the greatest remakes of all time. Tell me you are playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, if you have already played them, Tifa, Jesse, or Aerith? Always Tifa. She's oh, a yeah. fucking Hands smoke show. I mean, to this day, she's like one of the most, like, uh, sexualized characters ever. She's just sexy. Anyway, um, I am super confused. I don't know. I don't know how any of this works. So the game was cut into three pieces, and then so they're the, coming the, out. The remake is cut into two pieces, but I think there are two other games that are coming out that are not in the same animation style or something. I don't know. I need to fact check on that one. Um. But yeah, there's like more shit that expands on the on the Final Fantasy VII lore, even though that the lore kind of doesn't match okay. with the new game. With this the is all game. I care about. 
how do I play the new? Can I play the new the remake of Final Fantasy VII now on Steam? Is that something I can do? Both parts or all three uh, parts? Well, the, the the newest part is not is not out. It's a, um, it's the a, Final Fantasy VII remake integrate is out, which is the one you're talking about. Integrate would be the part. first half. Yeah. Yes, it came out yesterday or not three days. And how much does that days. cost? Uh, $50. Well, I thought they already made a, a Final Fantasy VII Remake for the PC. came out like a year ago, maybe a little longer. Um, no, I think we're talking about the same thing. The, it, it, this was announced like three, no, four No, this is ago. the only Final Fantasy Remake that's on Steam. Is Okay. Maybe, maybe the th- Final Fantasy, it, it came out earlier for the console. Right? Okay, yeah, here we go. It came go. out for PlayStation, and I think this is the, the perfect, or quote-unquote, like, perfect... Uh, port over into into uh, uh, not PC. according to the reviews, man. I looked at the reviews and it looks like a lot of the same stuff. Very limited graphics options. Although somebody had a really good review where they're just saying very positive ninety one percent on this, probably. Yeah, yeah, which is better than most. But, but this is if June seventeenth. This is the one. This one just came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah this this is the one that's that's for PC that came out for console a long time ago. I'll probably yeah. pick this up. Yeah, okay. I, I never played. So they changed it. They changed it from the original one, but uh, I heard it was like people were okay with it. Like they've changed more yeah. than just like a graphical upgrade. They actually made some changes to the to the gameplay and the. Yeah, no, oh. the gameplay is super different. It's no longer turn based at oh, all. Oh, it's Epic Game Store exclusive. Well, Cody has got all the answers here. Uh, Integrate is the first part of two parts or three parts. We're Cody's, and then also. Um, what is the Spielberg movie with the robot child? That's AI. AI. And what's interesting right. about that is that was actually supposed to be a Kubrick movie. He had written yeah, the script for that. He had wrote, yeah, he had wrote it, right? And, mm-hmm. and he had a whole different way of doing it, but he couldn't do it because he couldn't... They, he wanted Kubrick wanted to use an actual robot for the child, oh. but he couldn't do that back then. So the script kind of sat around forever, and then uh, Spielberg did it, and he said, I'm just going to make it a human kid that acts like a robot. And they had like the whole scene. Kubrick could have done that this whole time. Well, they didn't have the CGI because there's a lot of scenes where they're taking the boy apart and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That was a pretty good movie. I remember I like that, that movie. Yeah. Uh, people shot all over it because it, it got yeah. really bad reviews. It was yeah. kind of unfairly maligned, honestly, when it came yeah, out. Totally. It's a lot better than um, before. Yeah. I actually, I, I'm kind of interested in this just because I've always wanted to play Final Fantasy VII and I've never... You know, that's it's a long game, my friend. Yeah, I know. When it came out, it was on like four or five discs, wasn't it? For the PlayStation, yeah, it came out one of those like Bible fucking cases, like this yeah, one. It was huge, PlayStation dude. one. But it's a landmark game. I mean, it's a dude. When you get home with a Bible, like you're like, this is something special. You're just unfolding those flaps. No other game did that. You know, you're, and it's the same price. It was Super Mario 3 was the same price as fucking uh, Final Fantasy 7 when it came out. But you got, you got this presentation in front of you, and you know you're in for a fucking... God. Um, my story about Final Fantasy 7, uh, my original playthrough, is there is a point in the game where it says... I might have this all fucked up. I was, you know, younger or whatever. I know how games worked. But it says, are you sure you want to embark on this voyage? After this point, you cannot go back to the original world and level up anymore. Are you ready to battle Sephiroth? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm good. 
And I was nowhere, like it wasn't even close. And that was it. And I saved after, and I didn't have a pre-save saved. That was my one save, and that was it, dude. I was, that's it. I'm a failure. I'm a failure of Final Fantasy. I saw a video essay about why Final Fantasy VII was such a big success. And it it's partially for one of the reasons that you explained earlier, how, like, Super Mario came out around the same time, right? And that was, is like... At that moment in time in PlayStation, like video games, there wasn't a 3D game that was expansive or anything, Mm -hmm. as well as it was foreign and interesting, like the way that like everything was kind of anime-esque. And the way that the the game stood out in the store with that extra large... like case caught a lot of caught a lot of people and that's where it kind of it started with its cult following i can kind of see how like people that would have no idea what they were picking up they're like well this one comes with five cds why wouldn't i buy this one you know what i mean exactly yeah and then end up playing it and fucking loving it because they've never played anything like it yeah so because there was there was not a lot of well received like the other final fantasies were not like received really well in the United States in the sense of there wasn't an easy way to get them. It was very common for games to only come out in Japan. Like, like technically I think it's super Mario two is not actually super Mario two. Um, like there's actually a harder version that only came out in Japan and some shit like that. And at the time, like this was one of those games that was like available in the United States immediately. So, all right. So also from Macornius, no one knows how many parts, Rumors are that it will be three parts. The story is diverging from the original Final Fantasy VII. Uh, he also says, at Digital Logic, which I think he's implying me, I uh, made the exact same mistake with my uh, Final Fantasy VII original. What a weird thing to put in your game. Like, you're basically fucked if you embark. Like, how are you supposed that's to how know? games that's, were back that's, then. That's how it is in Elden Ring. Is I mean, it? kind of. Like, yeah, there, there's a very pivotal part in the story. It's kind of like the last ten percent of the game, and when you do it, there's you can't do a bunch of shit in the game anymore. Hmm. And then yeah. I I also remember, God, this game had so many things. There was myths within the game. Like that's how big, fucking Final Fantasy VII was. But there are like these, I don't know, elder dragons or whatever. There's like these two, three, or four. Um, bosses that are harder than sephiroth and you there's certain yeah. ways to go search them out and beat them um i remember reading about that and be like oh my god that's incredible i never fought him because obviously i couldn't even beat sephiroth but um i had a little trick i remember i was so happy with my little trick um whoever the gambler was like you can you can roll a fucking you can roll the like the slot machine and if he landed on all sevens, it was just kind of like a knockout move. I forgot, and then I gave him all whatever whatever my trick was. I was like, I'm going to kill whoever. I can do nine 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 damage. I got it. Who's going to stand up against that? Yeah, I didn't even fucking scratch that. Yeah, yeah, it's linked. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, what's everybody playing next week? Um, Industria, the game that I talked about earlier. I bought and downloaded it. So. I'm going to be playing more game uh, fest games. I'm going to download probably another 20. Fuck it. Why not? There's no downside. Um, I, I was trying to be. That's why I didn't talk about the games that I didn't like. It's because, you know, these are indie games from like two, one, two, three, four, ten people. 
this is their first game. I'm not going to shit all over your game, man. Like, especially early on, this is our alpha builds. Just whatever. Keep working on it. Do your thing. Um, get them next time, champ. But <laughs> I am going to, like, I want to cycle through quite a few of them. So that's what I'm doing. And then also, yeah, uh, half like Alex tonight. Uh, hopefully I can get porn to work. Freaking, I mean, Gorn. Um, and uh, yeah, if anybody knows what I'm doing wrong, I mean, it's always been plug and play. You just go to big screen mode and you can watch YouTube right there. But I don't know. Hmm. Well, I'm going to be playing Shredder's Revenge. Uh if I have time, Maneater was given away for free on the Epic Game Store. And uh, I, I've been wanting to play that game for the longest time. It's made by Tripwire Interactive. You play as a shark, you run around, you eat a bunch of people. Shark Week's coming up. I just watched Deep Blue Sea the other night. I'm I'm in the mood. Is that before uh, Killing Floor 2? They made that? It was after. It was after. Way after. Yeah, Maneater came out two years ago, Weird. three years ago. Yeah. Seems like a step back for them, no? Well, it's a completely different type of game. Yeah, um, yeah it's like a single-player uh, campaign game. Uh, Bobby, I have the Oculus One boxed up and ready to deliver to your house. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, speaking for Bobby, Nick, and myself, um, uh, <laughs> titties that won't work on my, Oc- well, my fucking VR. So we got to get those titties to work. All right, bye. Chris, are you awake? Yeah, I'm here. Yep. You usually Go say on. like one or two things, but you were you're out of it tonight, huh? Right straight to bed? Yeah, straight to bed. I Water appreciate the effort, buddy. All right. <laughs> well, the stream lab or the uh stream deck is not turned on somehow. I don't know how that happened. So um yeah, I'll just put the uh the outro music in post. Wait, wait, no, we should try to do it now. <laughs> do 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 do. Okay, fine. No, no keep going, it. dude. You got it. You're nailing it. I can't think <laughs> of it right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> get yeah, I can't get some sleep, man. <laughs> Bye. All right, guys. Well, we're raiding with a party of four. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I decided to. He's playing Noida, and he's dressed as a wizard. I thought it would be fun. That's but cool, man. All right, <laughs> All right guys. Catch Bye. you later.